When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. February is upon us into the final month of the Ladbroke Summer Racing Festival. Where has that time gone? Well, this is the Summer Racing Podcast. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of Taz Racing. And joining me is a man who I reckon just wants to get through Sunday and bring on the Derby and the Hobart Cup. That's where he really does his damage. Of course, I'm talking about Bear Robinson. How are you, mate? Hey, Snap. Yeah, you've read me beautifully there, mate. Just getting through this weekend and I'm really going to aim to sort of Nearly peak derby night, and then we'll roll on to Cup Day on Sunday. But there's plenty to discuss before we get there, though, mate. There is. We've got to give every meeting their airtime during the Summer Racing Carnival, and it's a, a good program in Launceston on Sunday. The two-year-olds, uh, I guess the final feature of the Summer Racing Festival, the Gold Sovereign. I remember once upon a time, Bear, this race was on Launceston Cup, but it's uh, Launceston Cup Day, but it's now... Uh, it's standalone meeting. So um, we'll look at the, in detail the two features there, the second one being the Citizen Cup, uh, Ford's ballot fee, free entry into the Launceston Cup. And we'll look back at uh, last week's meeting in Launceston. Our special guest this week is Stephen Shaw, uh, who's head of the Tasmanian Trainers Association and a, and a trainer in his own right. And we'll finish with a uh, touch on Bear's brief and Snapper's special. But uh, Bear... Friday night racing. I saw you at the Jack Jumpers game. Um, what do you think about Friday night racing in general for Tassie? Uh, yeah, I don't th- look. I don't think it needs to be every Friday night. I understand participants then get the weekend to themselves. I actually like our Wednesday night um, meets. I think it just gives us a point of difference and people identify our night meetings to the Wednesday. But you know, every once or twice a season, I have no issue with. And, um, you know, lucky Friday night was a cracking night of racing. Obviously, we I couldn't tune in too much because I finally got a ticket to the Jack Jumpers, um, which was a great night. But obviously, the result didn't uh, fare too well for the Jackies. But, yeah, I don't mind, you know, two or three times a season. I think it's a perfect time to race on a Friday night. It does generate better turnover a Friday night, but I tend to agree with you. I do think we've found our niche on a Wednesday night and, and picking up the Friday slots when they're there. We've, we've jumped on Manicato night ahead of Cox Plate weekend. I think that's a good one. And if we can pick up a few others across the summer, I think it's a good balance. Uh, it was a good four there in Launceston uh, last Friday night there. In my opinion, I think Lonnie's racing is fair as it ever has. I mean, I won't say I've been shouting from the treetops, but it's certainly a frustration of mine when you when you get a biased deck in Launceston and you're planning for a fair track. But barring maybe the odd meeting here or there through the summer, I think it's just been superb. So kudos to the team up there. And I thought we got another great track on Friday night. Yeah, winners were coming from everywhere and obviously in past seasons it was quite biased to be on pace, but as you touched on, it's been pretty fair the whole uh, season. So a couple of little bit of feedback, a couple of horses have been pulling up a bit sort of sore in the feet from racing there, which I'm I'm I know the track manager's taken on board and they're doing a great job and let's hope it just keeps getting better and 
then we can talk in it the same light as I do the Hobart track. Would never talk about the Hobart track in the same light as anywhere. I think Bear, you'd you'd go and sleep on the Elwick straight if if given the option. Uh, Launceston Guineas was the feature there on Friday night. Uh, pretty good spectacle in the end in terms of the the two horse war up the home straight. Bear Dunkel, you probably don't want it again if you took the shorts backed into about a dollar twenty, but too good. And it sounds like uh, he will well and truly be sticking around for the Derby. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was really good to the line. Um, Sale Choice is very well rated by Jordan Childs um, on pace, which and it, the the map went how most people thought it would, and Harry did the right thing taking off and getting it, the horse into the race, and it's probably the last 50 was probably its best part of the race, and you think the 2,200 metres of the derby um, next Friday, if that's the way Dunkhill goes, will lead it up, and Sale Choice is probably a moral in the strut stakes. Yeah, I Probably on face value, if you didn't look at the times, you might think Dunkel was a dollar twenty chance was a little bit disappointing. But they went very, very, very slow in this race. It was about twenty lengths slower the overall time than the maiden class one by American Jewel, who paid about one hundred and fifty one dollars starting price. Always a winner who led that race would have led this field by thirty plus lengths. So. A dead set crawl and a sprint home. The fastest 600, 400, and 200 of the night were by Dunkel. The last 200 and 11.24. I mean, you, you can't go much better. Take serious sprinters would be happy in running those times. So it, the way that it, um, the race played out, it, it was never going to be a matter of times and margins for Dunkel. A really clever, clever ride um, by Geordie Childs on sole choice, as you touched on Bear. And, but I thought the ride on Harry Coffey was really good as well. He, he sort of posied up and made sure that he couldn't steal a winning break. And in the end, that was probably the difference between the shorts getting rolled and Dunkel um, keeping the spruik alive. Yeah, it was a good spectacle. Um, I must say, I did uh, put the phone on at the uh, basketball to watch the race. So, yeah, <laughs> me and Toddy Struthers were having a bit of a, a sticky beak. So, yeah, it was a good good ride by both jockeys, and that's obviously why they ride winners in Melbourne of a Saturday regularly. I completely missed the race bear. I actually didn't even have a bet. I'm not sure what I would have done. There wasn't really an angle, but I sometimes wake up in a cold sweat thinking I might miss. It's a Tassie race because I've slept through or something, but the Jack Jumpers is is what did it. But I don't think I missed too much Dunkel at a dollar twenty. Ladbroke Stakes, um, what a race this was! I think we've learnt that Rebel Factor is legit. If we didn't mm-hmm. already know it, bear mm-hmm. uh, too good in this one. Didn't have a lot of luck slotting in from a bad gate um, three wide without cover and pretty soft on the line off a genuine tempo. Um, it was two se- as good as two seconds quicker than the benchmark 64 on the same night and about three lengths slower as a base for comparison than the inevitable winning the new market. So good performance against the clock and very good visually rebel factor. Yeah, it's a really nice horse. And um, it's obviously, as I touched on last week, not many horses can get 0.4 or length to the inevitable in Tasmania and Rebel Factor was able to do that. I thought once it landed in front of Bello Bow on the run, it was it was definitely the one you wanted to be on. But as you just touched on before, it was really soft in the end and um, it sets up a mouthwatering clash um, for the Thomas Lions on Sunday week, which um, I'm sure the Rebel Factor team is really excited and, and the inevitable team is really excited for that as well. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, that, um, that really just gives us a marketer's dream heading towards the 
the Thomas Lyons, I think, there. Wasn't Bellow Bow a bit of a car crash in terms of mm. watching if, if you took um, the favourite and in a market that was put up pretty close to what I suggested it, I had it when uh, we did the podcast last week. I think it was Bellow Bow maybe about 320 Rebel mm. Factor 340. The yeah. market really came for Bellow Bow, but after being slowly out, he, he could just never really get on the track. He didn't really shirk the task bear, I thought, against the older horses for the first time. But I'll tell you what, it, it sounds like the C.S. Hayes is still on the agenda, but this isn't the type of gut-busting run I'd really love to have heading towards a grand final. Yeah, it can be tough, and obviously the horses aren't machines, but um, obviously Adam Trinder has been a very, very good trainer, and he's trained some very nice horses, and he would never take a horse to Melbourne if he didn't think it was capable of winning, so... I think uh, we've got to take note if the trainer wants to go to Melbourne, that's what they'll do, and I'm sure it'll be competitive. But just prior to the race, even snap, I suppose drawing out so wide, especially with the amount of pace inside, was always potentially a risk, even if the horse had a jump well, that it might have been planted wide. So, um, yeah, it's just in the run, it was never going to win, but it, as you said, it didn't shirk the task. And he got beat 3.35, so it's far from disgraced. It's easy to say in, in hindsight, but... I think given he did jump slowly and with that 1,400-metre race in mind, I thought maybe you'd just snag back, try and find a backside ride for luck, and then at least you don't end up with what happened. But uh, we obviously will be watching Bellow Bow with uh, bated breath as he heads to the CS Hayes and, and hopefully does Tassie proud. Uh, tell you what, Bear, other than your little Neville, is there a horse going better down at seven mile than Lalo Pluck? Wasn't he a run? Jeez, he flying. Absolutely flying. And maybe even if Dave had have just tried to sneak a run on the inside where Music Edition sort of poked up on the inside of Lalo Pluck, the result might have even been closer. So, um, I mean, is there a horse that's improved as much as Lalo Pluck in a preparation in recent times? I mean, I, I'm sure the listeners out there would be able to tell me one, but I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Like, it's gone from just being a bit of a battler to now – running second away for age race after coming off some really, really good wins, dominant wins in recent months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been super in, in lesser company and he stacked up to it here, which I think was great. Turk Warrior had the right run, but clearly hasn't gone backwards from the carpet charge. He's acquitted himself really well uh, against the older company, this preparation. The old boy Blazeforth, I kicked mm. up for him here at triple figures. He actually had the fastest last 200 metres of the race. So um, just didn't settle close enough to really give us a, a good run for the ticket, but he's ticking over well. And and I guess bear that um, the choice for runners out of this race now, uh, the Thomas Lyons on Hobart Cup day, if you want to go to 1400 or uh, you stay at this distance for the old Royal Rambo on Lonnie Cup day. Yeah. Blazeforth, as you touched on, his last 200 was great, but it, even past the line, it was really savaging it. So um I was hoping no one else had seen that, mate, but uh, you, you've given up that one on us. Nothing um, gets past us, but we'll still get a <laughs> we'll still get a price on Blaze Forth. I reckon he's probably running the Royal Rambo for about the last twelve years, so yeah. uh, he's almost there every year. Yeah, yeah, he's, and then he'll come out and knock Galinas off when Galinas is a dollar twenty in April or something like that. Still a sore point, I can tell. But uh, <laughs> no, the the Ladbroke Stakes, uh, absolute beauty, best one in years. We mentioned it going in. I think the carpet charges is sort of giving us a real leg up for that race. And if we can get a field like that every year, we will be tickle pink. Uh, anything else on that Friday night program? Sort of grab your eye, bear. 
Um, just probably Zulu Angel. I think it's hard to go from winning a maiden and into a class one. I know you're pretty keen on Zulu when we're on with Gareth on Friday morning. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, as I said, it's hard to win your maiden and then win your class one. And I think Zulu Angel's got plenty of upside. And um, yeah, I mean, I suppose in the last Chinchero, I'll probably improve with a run under its belt. Um, but GG Cam win was another good ride from Brendan. So um, yeah. Oh, to be honest, mate, I really concentrate on watching the main races because, as I said, I was at the Jack Jumpers for the first time this season. So, if anyone out there can get me a ticket to the final, just let me know. Um, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, we were at the wrong Jack Jumpers game on the weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we were. Just quickly from me before we hear from Stephen Shaw, our guest this week. I thought Muscle Up was really good in the opener. Ran quicker time than the benchmark 64, so there was a bit of depth to to his winning. Put the riding on the wall to start my foot before a uh, GG plane won that benchmark 64. It was a pretty big effort three wide, no cover, but the lead place there wasn't strong and, and sort of allowed a horse like GG plane to win with that pattern. Summer fire. I was pretty keen on in that race. I kind of got it wrong. I thought back markers might be able to get warm, but they couldn't, but she was very good there with the race shape again. So I'll be following up on yeah, her sure. next start. Summer fire. Not sure when she ends up, she might even be a horse that tries to get into a, a race like the Vamos to sneak a little bit of black type. So we'll follow her. Uh, we are in Launceston again this week though, Bear, before we get stuck into that program, let's hear from this week's guest. It is trainer Stephen Shaw. Special guest on this week's episode of the Summer Racing Podcast is a big supporter of the podcast. He mentions that every time I see him, so I thought I'd better get him on. Trainer Stephen Shaw, how are you, Shorey? Oh, well, thanks yourself, mate. Um, I'm pleased that you've actually got me on the show. It's probably number one podcast in Tasmania, I'd say. Well, we'll get to, we'll get, well, hopefully it's number one, but we'll get there in a bit. People listening will be wondering why I always tip your horses, but unfortunately, sure, they don't win. We'll touch on that later. Uh, you've been around the game a, a long time, looking at your numbers before I sort of gave you a call um, almost a decade, but not big numbers, only 119 career runners, 19 winners at a very respectable 16% strike rate. I had a bloke message me earlier in the season when you had a runner that because you hadn't been at the track for a while he asked me whether you'd been suspended I said no no sure he hasn't been suspended he just sort of times his run can you tell us a little bit about how you go about training and, and the numbers you have in your stable yeah now look I suppose this year um we made a conscious decision we bought some um some yearlings at the sale and they were never going to be two-year-olds so so the reason we never had runners all year was that we put them through our system and we give them three or four preparations to get them ready to run in the late three-year-old season through the summer carnival. Um, so that meant we never had a runner from January all the way through to I think it was November. And I must, um, I guess owners must be relying on a fair amount of patience with you to sort of have horses come back and maybe just have one or two trials and then no race and, and tip them back out again. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Look, the guys I've got, they're all mates. I suppose at the end of the day, I try, I try and keep it to that. I mean, I've, I've been offered other horses, but I don't take them. I, I either try my brothers or, or my own or, or, or good friends. Um, so that makes it easy, and you can talk to them on a rational level, and, and they don't pressure you to run the horses, which is which is an advantage to me. And just let us do little things with them to make them a better horse in the long run, and, and for the longevity of the horse to race on, you know, four, five, six years old. So the, the most number of runners that you've had in any given year 
was 21, and you're not far off that number already. How many horses have, have you got in the stable at the moment? I've got uh, six six horses at the moment in work that are all racing, um, that have all had one or, one, one or two starts. Um, they're all learning the game, especially I've got four three-year-olds, so it, 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 they're all learning their craft. Um, I've had a, a winner with one of them. Um, I think he'll become a better horse, which is Bersica. Um, he's excelled since that, that day. We put the blinkers on him and he, he, he came out of the ground and uh, won up that launch system that night. I've got a couple of others that are, that are just quite, not quite there yet mentally to race, but they'll only get better with racing. Well, uh, Berserker certainly had the form franked uh, on Friday night with Jack-Jack winning again. Best horses that you've had in terms of wins were, were Bosporus and Orange Ruffy, both really good money spinners for yourself. Do you feel like you might have another one of them within your ranks potentially? Oh, I, I think so, especially with a horse like Berserker. I mean, I think we might be throwing him in the dead the deep end um, this campaign, you know, coming in and, and, and he's had four runs, but he's run the other night, really impressed me. And I saw that look at the guineas the other night and they ran along pretty slowly. So um, we might even just have a little nomination for a race in, uh, <laughs> in a couple of weeks. So, um, but yeah, he can go on. I think Brew Horse, I think I really do like him as a stayer. Um, I'm very impressed with what he's done. I mean, I know he's only had 13 starts and won three races and he probably hasn't performed to the best of his abilities this season to start with, but they're in races that we that weren't favouring him. You know, they were sprinters. Many racing his Queen for Flyer, just a tribute. They're, they're good horses, you know, and they're, they're formed to be franked anyway, isn't it? So. Exactly. Well, we might just touch on Brew Horse. And you mentioned him. He he goes to what used to be the old Night Cup. It's now the Sinistan Cup running Sunday afternoon. As a sixty-four raider, he looks aggressively placed. But as you said, you've you've obviously got a high opinion of him and think he can run a good race on Sunday. No, look, I, I, I hope he gets a run. He's 14th in the ballot at the moment. You know, if they all accept, you'd be second emergency. But I am keen to run him. I mean, I know he's only a 64 rated, but that's a low rating for the horse he is. I mean, I have a lot of time for him. He has a great lung capacity. He has a low heart rate. He, he, we galloped him this morning at Hobart. and He was very impressive, you know. He, he'll win to that on 54 kilos. And I don't say he'll win it, but he'll, he'll be thereabouts, you know. And if he gets the luck, well, anything can happen, you know. Well, he gave uh, Azarenka all she could handle last start, and, and she's flying. I think if she's in, in the race on Sunday, uh, she'll be one of the, the fancied runners. Uh, just in terms of the success you've had, most of it's been with um, with Bullant Muku in the saddle. Tell us a little bit about the relationship you've formed, not only with Bullant, but also uh, the other Turkish jockeys being Mehmet Alusina and Ismail Toka. Yeah, yeah, look, um, me and Bullant is have developed a special relationship. Like, he's a part of my family, I suppose you could say now. Um, His real family lives in Turkey, but he's got a family here in Tasmania with us, with my partner and my son, you know. We're we're inseparable in some ways. Um, We butt heads in a lot of other ways, but, you know, he he comes every day and rides work, and he's a big part of what we do here at our, our stable, really, at the end of the day. I mean... Without him, I couldn't do what I'm doing. There's no doubt about that, and I owe him a lot. And um, yeah, but it's a special relationship. Mehmet, he comes and rides work for me um, every day. Um, he, he he he's starting to get better rides because he is a better jockey than the rides he gets, which is unfortunate. But that's the place in Tasmania. Um, you need to ride winners to get better rides. And um, but they're both great guys, and um, yeah, I have a lot of time for them. 
So the, the car rides back from a Lonnie Knight meeting. Sure, he might be a little bit hostile or perhaps jovial, depending on what success Bullet might have on, on your horses. Uh, that, that can be the case, and uh, we have, like I said, butted heads on occasions uh, with differing views, but, but that's a part of life, and um, he takes it in the vein that's meant, and um, I take it in the vein he brings it back on to me because he's not backwards in coming forwards, I can assure you. So, um, But, yeah, look, he's a great guy. Like, you know, I love the guy. It's not a bad trait to have in racing, being a straight shooter, I don't think. Just back to your other uh, runners on Sunday. Dominator's Girl is a horse that I've been struggling to catch, Shory. I won't be tipping her this week, so maybe she has a chance. But she was scratched uh, last Friday. Uh, was there any major sort of setback there? No, there, there, there was no major setback. The only setback was she was in the second last race and, and, and she did have an elevated temperature that morning. So I took the year of caution and didn't run her um, because I do have an opinion of her. She hasn't shown it this time, unfortunately, but some of the rides haven't been that great on her either. Um, but I, 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 she, she's a very temperamental horse. She'll run in the Class 1 up there at 1,200 on, on Sunday. Um, Bullen will take a ride on her. Um, and look, if she does everything right, she should she should win the race. But she's very temperamental. And Trabzon's just had the the one start, an eleven hundred meter maiden. Had a little bit of market support that night. I thought perhaps he's a horse that might be suited by a little bit more ground, at least more than the eleven hundred of his debut. Yeah, no, you're correct, Dan. I think the market support could be wrong sometimes. I think they just back me horses, to be honest with you, and get them into ridiculous odds. So, But, yeah, look, he will need time. He's 12 months away at least. I'm going to run him on um, up there on uh, Sunday, but he'll go away for, for a good six-month break after this because he's not ready. Um, I need him to, to, to become more race-savvy, so I'm going to run him. Um, I believe he'll run in the first five. I mean, I, I think he'll run on in the race, but he's a long way off being a racehorse yet. All right, good insight there. Um, what a lot of people won't necessarily know about you is you're the president of the uh, Tasmanian Trainers Association down here. Tell us a little bit about what that role entails. Yeah, it's such a challenging role I took on from Nigel, who, who, whose work um, drove him away. He was the president um, of the ATA in Tasmania for, for a number of years, five years, I think. Um, I took the role on. Um, I took it on mainly because I, I, I think the industry needs to go forward. We need to have better um, communication between the trainers and, and TAS Racing as the principal administrator of racing in the state. Um, there was some, some areas of concern that I had in regards to communication breakdowns that we do have. Um, you don't get everything you want, but if you don't put your hand up and have a go at these things to try and better the place, you can't sit back and criticise. So I, I took it on myself to take that role on. Um, I ended up being the, an executive on the um, ATA board now as well of Australia, um, which is a, which is an insight into what goes on around the country. The, the work we do now with ATA, with the, with Taz Racing, is progressing the industry forward. I think, um, as I've said, you know they've got Andrew Jenkins there now, and he's willing to listen to whatever you got to say. Um, he listens to everything, not everything you get. It's like kid going in the candy store. You want the stuff. You pockets full of lollies, but unfortunately you don't get out of the shop with them all. So you can't have everything you want. But it's a challenging role. Um, 
differing views of all the trainers, you know, the bigger trainers all the way down to the, to the little guys like yourself that have, you know, half a dozen horses. There's even trainers who've got one horse that have a say. And they've got an equal say. It doesn't matter how many horses you've got to have a say in, in, in what we do. So it's a good role. I enjoy it. Do you think that uh, the, the training landscape in Tassie sure is, is lending itself to a, a prosperous long-term future? I mean, the, the premiership still dominated by the, the Bruntons, Blackers, Trinders, Steve-O's, even Gary White's people that have been doing it for a long time. But there are, um, for lack of a better term, some younger up-and-coming trainers that maybe don't have the numbers of them. If you, you're looking at um, Rowan Hamer or even yourself, Imogen Miller, Siggy Carr now training as well, it, it seems to be a, a pretty nice mix there, at least from the outside. Oh, there is, and I think there's a lot of young trainers coming through. You've touched on a couple there, and, you know, I see Ziggy Carr being a powerhouse in the state as a trainer in the future. I mean, she's only young, she's, she's vibrant, she's keen, she wants to have a go. Um, I can only see her stable growing in time. Um, you've got the, 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 the Dean and Trent Wells up north. I mean, they're going to grow their stable. I mean, they're, they're very keen. They want to do more for the industry as well. You can see that. I mean, they're, they're a dominant force when you get them up at Devonport. I mean, you know, they, they, when they produce runners, you've got to respect it. Um, but there are a lot of young trainers coming through, which is very encouraging for the industry because without them, the industry can flounder. And I think it's important for for owners and punters and people like that to have choices on, on who they, I guess, invest with, be it a, a horse or even placing a bet and I feel like we've we've got a good mix at the moment. Uh, before I let you go, Shory, we've seen some new additions to the to the Tassie racing calendar in the last few weeks, the, the Black Flash, the Carpet Charge, different races like this. How do you feel sort of Tassie thoroughbred racing as a whole is placed at the moment? No, look, it's it, it, it advanced, doesn't it, in the last 12 months even. I mean, I've been a part of sitting on there and looking at these races that Taz Racing came up with, like the Carpet Charge, the Black Flash, the increase in stake monies going through these feature races. And I've sort of been a part of it, um, which is a great thing to have um, that communication with Taz Racing. Um, and, look, it's growing the industry. I mean, even trainers from the mainland are starting to put their, their eyes towards Tasmania because it is a lucrative area now, especially for our Samuel Carnival. Yeah, well, I think Tassie's definitely an option for for stables in Victoria that might have trouble getting a start or placing their horses in those lower-level benchmark races. I think Tassie's definitely an option, particularly in terms of prize money. Uh, really appreciate your time, Shory. You're incredibly passionate about the industry. I love the insight that you give, whether it's on or off the record, about your horses. But uh, do you think you might have a winner on Sunday before we let you go? Oh, uh, look... <laughs> You've tipped it a few times, Maddie, and I tell you what, I don't think I can, but I think she's the best of your chances. I think the Brew Horse will go a really good race, run a really good race if he gets in there. Um, he'll be around the money and he'll be reasonable odds, but look, if Dominating Girl puts her best foot forward, she should just you know, win that race. But as you've said, you've picked her three times, I think, and she's given us donuts. So. He's a good man, Shory. Mm. I like Bear that he kind of calls a spade a spade, but his opinion's always very well considered. Yep. Um, unfortunately, a, a lot of people in the industry look after number one, and if uh, something doesn't go their way, the toys are thrown out of the cot. Mm. That isn't the case with Shory, and I thought it was a good chat. It was great, and as you touched on, he calls a spade a spade. I mean, I don't know Shory like that well, but every time he speaks to me, he's respectful and he's very insightful and 
in his role, he'd, be, he'd have the trainer's best interests at heart, and he's the sort of guy that the trainers would want going into bat for them. And, um, you know, he's a nice little trainer as well. He doesn't have a big team, but his horses are always really consistent. He tries to place them as best he can, and I wish him all the success that he has over the next couple of months. Yeah, well, 16% strike rate for a trainer with his numbers and and horses of, of his quality. I mean, he's got no superstars, but he shows he, he places them really well and the majority of the time they're there to win. So you'd be happy with that. Uh, Lonnie, this week, Bear, we've got a nine-race card on a Sunday afternoon. It's always a little bit jarring to me when I see them run at Launceston during the day. You get so used to seeing them during the night. That's yeah. completely different on telly. And we've got about a noon start or no, just afternoon on Sunday. The rail plus seven and a half for a feature meeting. I'll be honest, I don't love it. Um, I would like to see it somewhere where at least we can get full field sizes. There's a fortnight going into the Oaks meeting, and I'd imagine we'll probably be true there, and then three for Cup Day, which is where we usually are. I would have thought that'd be long enough to to sort of maybe have this in the six mm-hmm. um, rather than seven and a half. But uh, like I said, going in the Lonnie Tracks race super, so far be it for me to be chucking rocks. So where, when is it seven and a half? What does it usually do? Is it favour on pace or swoopers or? Oh, look, seven and a half, if it's dry, I think the default is that it's difficult to make ground because Lonnie's a track where you can hug the rail, follow it in. It's a short straight. They're sort of kicked on the turn and it um, can be tough to run on. But if the rails chops out a little bit, if, if there isn't, um, or if there has been a little bit of rain and the better ground's out wide in turn, then the on paces can kind of cart them out to the quicker lanes out wide. So a lot of it will depend on, I guess, the firmness of the track and, and whether that rail is the place to be. Um, I probably do have a slight lean to it, maybe favouring the inside. I think the the weather in Launceston is a bit warmer um, than what we're getting in Hobart across the weekend. So we'll watch and monitor. But like I said, um, we keep getting a fair racing service in Lonnie. So I'd expect that will probably happen again. The Gold Sovereign Bear is the feature race for the two-year-olds. Fairmont Furniture are the sponsor this year. It's worth $150,000. Generally, by the time the Gold Sovereign rolls around Bear, we've got a a pretty standout two-year-old. And I guess after the Elwick Stakes, that's the case again with uh, Need Sugar. Yeah, I mean... I must admit, when Need Sugar ran second to Thoris and Mare, I thought, gee, I can't wait to see this horse get out to 1,200 metres. And um, obviously for the first time on Sunday, it gets out to that. And its win the other day was dominant. It had no real favours. And Troy just put the handlebars down on the turn and it bounded away. So it would be hard to see anything that finished behind her winning on Sunday, obviously Cairns was well found in the market, but it's still been beaten 7.25. I I did hear that uh, Peter Staples mentioned Barry Campbell said, don't worry about it. It's just that I didn't really like Hobart. So obviously it's win on debut. Lonnie was really good, but gee, they're going to have to improve a bit to beat Needs Sugar, I think. Yeah, it's easy to say that, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about seven lengths. You mm. go, well, don't worry about it. It doesn't like Hobart. Well, seven lengths is seven lengths. We get a, I guess we get a line through the debut of Cairns in the Alpha Bowl where she kicked up on the rail and Need Sugar sort of followed her through and, and managed mm-hmm. to run second there. And Winkers go on Cairns here. Um, barrier 12, those no spoil, I guess. Um, she'll 
maybe have enough gate speed to, to cross, given a few of these are pretty lightly uh, braced. And, and as we saw with uh, Thespian Waters in the Elwick Stakes, that um, it's difficult to ping at your first um, trip facing the starter on race day. What sort of price would you be happy to take about Need Sugar Bear? We're recording Wednesday night. We haven't yeah. got markets. I'm the worst person to ask for these things, mate, because I think things are going to go up short and they would go up $16 and then start three and get beat. Um, and then something might go up, I think, should be a um, $5 chance and it'll go up $2.50. So I'm the wrong man to ask, mate. Would you get $3 or am I kidding myself? Uh, look, I don't think so. Um my market for this one, I, I went. I had need sugar at two dollars thirty. Uh, I just think you just believe what you see in terms of mm. Hobart, and I don't think she'll necessarily go backwards going to Lonnie. So it, it's easy to say, yeah, Cairns will improve at Launceston, but need sugar will will need to go backwards as well. There wasn't a lot between them when they met here a few starts ago. She looks pretty professional. She's got the race experience. She's got a pretty ordinary draw, but. As I mentioned, Cairns is out there as well. Um, the time was pretty good relative to the older horses. So there was the the Lady Lynette and the Black Flash on that program. She was only a few lengths off them. So she sat wide. Uh, the performance against the clock was arguably as good as it was visually. So I think it's difficult to not be pretty keen on, on Need Sugar. But it's not really a race that I'll be keen to smash into. I'd probably want... Yeah, $3 plus to be having a good bet. There's just still a few question marks. I did have Cairns next bear, uh, just respecting the the debut win and, and taking it on face value that maybe the five weeks between runs, a big float down to Hobart. Uh, she'll be better for that. Winkers go on. Barry Campbell, Hall of Fame trainer, really good with juveniles. Uh, and then the only other two I could probably see winning bear, the spirit of zero. I think that two-year-old maiden win is a, a Bluest a few rungs below uh, the Elwick Stakes and even other performances of Need Sugar, but draws well. Uh, race experience is proven key, and I thought pick of the first starters was Positive Press, who mm. was in the maiden that the Spirit of Zero won, but was scratched. I think they put up maybe about two dollars thirty. Yeah, uh, she trialed in slow time, but really hit the line well. So we saw in again in Hobart, how difficult it is to come out and win a race like this on debut. So I think that's the obvious knock on positive press, but maybe there's a little bit under the bonnet there. And I just haven't seen enough from many of the others to, to think they can win. If you look at Need Sugar's uh, profile from start one to now, she's improved at every start. So she continues to do that. Um, I think she'll be winning again on Sunday for, for Dusty Miller, one of the part owners. He actually sent me a text that he uh, listens to the podcast and he liked it, Snap. So I thought, well, I better be mentioning uh, Dusty. And I think he said she'll win again. Well, good autumn. I mean, if she wins mm. this race, they'll have the best part of 200 grand yeah. for a, a preparation. Right, and yeah. uh, I mean, that's where you, you do make a lot of your money with horses in, is in the two and three year old campaign. So well done to them to, with connections of need sugar. I think we might make our $100 staking strategy race bear the uh, Citizen Cup, the other feature on the program. Uh, a, because you and I have had no luck whatsoever picking the winner of two-year-old <laughs> races. And B, I think it might be a better race. I've just yeah. got my nose in front. After, yeah, you've uh, you gone past uh, me. 
Yeah, managed to, to find Rebel Factor. Yeah. Well, I know you, you were reasonably keen on as well, to be fair, but uh, I managed to get the job done there. So, yeah, I think a, more of a watch race than a, a keen betting race for me, the Gold Sovereign. That may change depending on what price we get need sugar. Uh, in terms of the podcast, I think we're kind of leaning towards getting it up early to, to enable more people to listen. Unfortunately, that means uh, we don't have prices for a lot of the races that we are looking at. Second Maybe Labrokes could put a special up, snap $3, need sugar, maximum bet 50 That'd be good. Well, maybe $4 if it's maximum bet 50 or even okay. $5. We don't, well, want we, to, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to go too easy on them. That'll be, uh, be nice. But who knows? I mean, off those last start starting prices, um, maybe we won't see need sugar go up super short, but certainly the, the eye suggests that she is the one to beat. Uh, the Citizen Cup. Isn't the night cup anymore, Bear, because it's run in the afternoon. It affords ballot-free entry into the Launceston Cup. I think we've got a pretty even bunch this year. The risk factor absolutely brained them in this 12 months mm. ago. Yeah. Uh, second in that race was Creative Hero. Third was Super Swoop. Perrin was also there as well. Those three are all in this race again. I think as a ranker, is the emerging uh, mayor who has her staying credentials put to the test. And uh, the top is White Hawk with 59 kilos. Other than that, it's almost a, a set weight race with only uh, three of them above the minimum of 54. I do think this is a pretty good betting race, Bear. It's um, one where there's maybe we'll need a bit of luck in running, but um, got a prize money bump this year too, the, the Citizen Cup. It's worth 50, which is, again, good to see. Uh, who did you like when you're doing the form for this one? So if you say the one you like needs some luck in running, are you sticking with Azarenka or Miss Charlie Brown? Or uh, not Miss Charlie Brown for me. Uh, mm-hmm. This race, I think there looks to be a bit of a little bit of speed. So I'm so cool led the Summer Cup, uh, got out to a fair margin, but certainly didn't have the handlebars down and. Sh- that horse wasn't able to kick on because it didn't really receive a lot of pressure. I think Clifton Danzer goes forward. Uh, and Bruher horse, who we heard from Shorey earlier, he was pretty keen to, to run him over this trip. Uh, it's a horse that will generally go forward as well. So I'm thinking that might be a, a more genuinely run race than the Summer Cup. Uh, it might set it up for one to be coming from off to speed. I've been keen on Azarenka basically all campaign barring the first up run. And we only got a return last start when she was favorite. Unfortunately, the thing I don't like about her here, Bear is she's probably out the back. She's going to be uh, giving a big start to the speed. And then you add in the fact that she's up 500 meters in distance and unproven at the trip. It, it just means I probably want maybe $5 ish areas to, to get involved with her. I, I couldn't chime into her as a short ish favorite. Yeah, I'm probably going to side here with Super Swoop, just that we that we know that the, the distance is where it really comes their own, and it, sorry, where he comes into his own. And Ziggy Car's drawn low; it'll get a lovely run. Um, I thought it was really tradesman-like the other night when it finally won. Um, so I actually thought Super Swoop. I was it'd be interesting what price it goes up, but I also think Perrin's in a really good. Rich vein of form and it drops um, considerably in weight down to 54. So whether Bruno Nito can 
get down to the 54 because I noticed he carried 55 in the Longford Cup when it ran second the Swoop Dog. So I know they're both eight years of old, eight years of age, but they're actually proven over the trip more so than some of these up and comers. So I'll probably Mark will dictate, but I'll probably be leaning the side with one of those two. Yeah, I reckon you've smashed the nail firmly on the head with uh, with your hammer there, Bear. I mean, with due respect, this is generally the B graders stayers race. Whoever wins this doesn't often go into the Lonnie Cup as one of the favoured runners. The risk factor wasn't the exception last year. If this does turn into be a really genuinely run 2100 where maybe the on-paces are dropping off, uh, you know the old boys Perrin and, and Super Swoop will just keep whacking away. It was basically the same type of race, uh, the benchmark 68 last time where uh, Steel Skies and the other horse whose name escapes me um, cleared out, came back to the pack, and those two were left to pair out a long way from home. I think they're both just reasonably sort of bomb-proof. They're going to they're gonna run in the top four or five. Uh, Super Swoop maybe slight concern barrier two for a horse that settles back. Uh, will Siggy be able to navigate the traffic? She struggled a bit with that two starts ago in, in Hobart, but did a, a great job last time. And Perrin in turn draws the other side. He'll probably roll forward and, and maybe have an advantage on Super Swoop in the run. But I think they're the two bomb-proof bear in terms of they'll run really genuine races and, and maybe – whether a horse like Azarenka has the upside to knock them off. I think a horse like Azarenka is where she really uh, is put out a little bit by the fact we don't have 18 or 1900 metre starting points on the grass. Like it's it's a big ask to go from 16 to 21, mm. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the racing pattern probably doesn't help her either. No, exactly. Miss Charlie Brown, don't really know what to make of her mm. – like first up 1400 meters track record time um she was a little bit one paced last time up to the mile the market really liked her as a chance to to win that but as essentially gave her wind burn so maybe you look at that and go adam trinder's training her or, or she is a genuine stayer now and, and the 14 and the mile are just too short for her but i think it's a, a bit on trust I've sort of got her probably fourth favourite. My market looks like super swoop favourite around fours as a rank of 450, parent 650, Miss Charlie Brown eights. And then I thought if there is one that's maybe uh, a roughy in terms of certainly the price that went around last start, Skyway Star was a pretty good run mm. in the Devonport Cup there and from Barrier 1 probably does does no work here. It does, if you go back through her form, have a dollar fifty SP over Super Swoop last campaign. Yeah, um, just the no jockey sort of uh, listed when I last look. I'm not sure what's happening there, but um, yeah, I mean, I remember the Friday night when David was a dollar fifty and Super Swoop happened to knock Skyway Star off late. So um, probably uh, ruined a lot of people's multis that night, but it, it might come up big odds. And as you touched on, it's only been beaten 2.35 and Devon Pook up last start. And um, she's a mare that I think gets better the further into her prep. So just be interested to see who ends up riding her. Yeah, no jockey could often allude to a, a scratching from that stable. I, I thought the Georgie probably gets the sit again, uh, just looking at the jockey appointments, if that is the case. Uh, Valabar, I know you gave a, a slight mm. push for in the Denport Cup. He was a bit disappointing there. It's probably nearing D-Day for yeah, his campaign yeah. in terms of whether he's going to show anything. 
Yeah, he was disappointing, but he did get a, a very, very big hip and shoulder, sort of at about the 250. I think he got squeezed in between Dramazing and another one. Um, so, yeah, but I think the jury's definitely out if it doesn't uh, step up for this run. It probably hasn't come up this preparation. Obviously, it was good for the connections in Darwin and um, sort of t- towards the middle of the year last year. So, yeah, it's a big D-Day for Valabar, I think. Maybe it's not hot enough for Valabar and Tassie Bear. He got used to the heat up in Darwin and just can't deal with the cooler temperatures in Tassie. Temperamental. Um, yeah, he's a seven-year-old bay rig he's listed. Maybe exactly. he wants to get the rig out and tan <laughs> up before it performs. Yeah, I think we've got enough factors to, to weigh up when doing the form than whether a horse doesn't like the cold or the warm. <laughs> and geez, we've, we've got enough to deal with. Uh, the old boy White Hawk, we just have a saver on it, 25 to 30s, and make sure he goes in the quaddy as per. Yep, yep. He's uh, got a lot of money in the bank, mate, for 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 both of us. So, um, yeah, we can just dip into the sock draw and have a couple of dollars each way on the Hawk. He was a really good run in the Devonport yeah, Cup, to be fair. Yeah. Like, he, he's, yeah. he's a horse that basically told to be ridden ugly so that's what Mehmet did but he didn't he didn't shirk it he, he stuck on well so he's definitely not the worst in this race uh citizen cup it'll be a hundred dollar strategy we will update that on twitter but i think it's a pretty good betting race hmm. uh 12:20 is the first on sunday bear and we'll be wrapped up by dinner time on on sunday night I'm looking forward to a, a sunday afternoon uh, watching the races anything out wide on any of the other races that you might have had a chance to to flick through uh, the fields and keen to be on? Well, I've been on the trail most of the day, Snap, so I probably can't give the listeners too much, but the 2,100-metre race, I actually like the way Unique Glow found the line last start. Um, I know it's a three-year-old filly taking on the older horses, but... I was really impressed with the way sort of its last 150 metres in the 1,000 guineas. So um, depending on what price, it goes up, of course, but it probably has more upside than a few of these horses in the race. You did mention Unique Glow after the 1,000 guineas, and I think there might have been a few cars pulled over on the side of the road, podcast listeners just having to write down on a bit of pen and paper that Bear's <laughs> tipped up Unique Glow and, and we get a chance to follow up here over the 2100. I, I did think that, um, I mean, that, three, that three-year-old that three form has just routinely been profitable, mm. uh, dropping back to take on the older horses. And I did note Cloudy Knights uh, has a similar setup in the last race of the program. I thought, I haven't done the race in, in great detail yet, Bear, but I thought Swing King in that last race, which is a benchmark 62, it was a, a really good story in terms of um, Mark Everett and his partner and the struggles they've gone through to, to, to get this horse on the track and, and, and personal struggles. But there was a lot of merit to that performance. I mean, Siggy Carr broke their hearts from the front. I think ran about four or five lengths quicker than the other 1,400-metre races that night. Barrier one, if it is a night where you want to hold a position and oh, sorry, a day where you want to hold a position. I think swinking can uh, potentially win again. Um, Markle on the quiet, on the quick backup in race seven bear. I, I thought it was a quiet ride last week. Uh, it's a race where there might not be enough speed for a horse to get over the top, but I had something at odds last week, Markle and, and I'll be following up there again. So, 
I think it'll be a good betting day in Launceston on Sunday. It's probably a little bit of the calm before the storm bear. Next mm. week's going to be huge derby and, and Hobart Cup. Um, that might be a nice segue into this week's Bears Brief. Yeah, so this there's no uh, criticism in Bears Reef or positivity. It's just trying to uh, promote a couple of things, Snap. So um, just before I get into the second part of the promoting, and just for those people that are out there that are planning on coming to Hobart Cup who haven't actually locked in anything, there's still a limited number of tickets left in the YRT marquee, which um, was sold out on Devonport Cup Day and it's already sold out on... Launceston Cup Day, so there's a limited number of tickets there. Campbell Brown's your host. So if you're keen to get along there, uh, summerracingfestival.com.au, you can log on and um, secure your tickets there. You, you won't be disappointed. It's an outstanding day in there. Um, All-inclusive, uh, I'm sure Brown will be able to throw out a few tips and it'll be plenty of fun. There's good music, good food and good company in there. So, um so if you want to ring the club, oh, sorry, yeah, ring Taz Racing, Jackie Farrell will be able to hook you up there with a few tickets. So just tell him you heard it on the pod and Snapper might get some commission. Um, and also the Labbrokes Racing Marquee, which yours truly is hosting. And there is a limited number of tickets available there. So um, go to the Taz Racing Club website, Snap. Does that sound right? Taz Racing Club to get, yep. That's correct. Yep, yep. Or ring Olivia at the uh, racing club and she'll be able to hook you up with the tickets. There's only a few left, so try and get involved. I mean, where else can you go? Get free entry, get, um, arguably the best spot on the track. There's plenty of room, plenty of nice beverages, lovely food. Uh, there's good entertainment as well and there'll be some dodgy tips from the host. So, um, you know, got a crew of my mates coming along the world, which is great. So um, just uh, you might have to get in there and look after them if you can, because um, I don't want them to disgrace me on such a big day. So that's my first little uh, part of Bear's Brief. But the second before, part... Before, before we move on to part two, yeah. Bear, I should mention that, uh, as well as Brownie, who we had uh, on last week's podcast, uh, Grace Hayden will be flying her trade in the YRT marquee. If you haven't, if you aren't familiar with Grace Hayden, maybe look her up on Instagram and Facebook, uh, she's quite attractive, to put it mildly, Bear. So if you don't like looking at the horses and uh, if, if you want to look at something else, Grace Hayden does a superb job and she's pretty easy on the eye as well. Well, get in there and check her out. Is that Maddie Hayden's daughter? It is, yep. Yep, yeah. She knows a bit about racing as well. So um, unfortunately, when you walk into the lab ropes, you won't see Grace Hayden up on stage. You'll see me, so... Um, but I'll can probably tell a better story than Grace. But uh, with, with with due respect to our better halves, Bear, who aren't in the room, and they might <laughs> whack us on the head if they're listening to the podcast. But a, a ten out of ten who's into racing is probably the dream, isn't it? <laughs> Gee whiz, snapper! I'm not going to answer that, but I think you know the know the answer. I do, I do. Quickly move on now. Yeah. Um. So, for those people out there, may have seen the. Tassie Legends Sideline Series, produced by Sterling Graphic. Um, they're the autographed cards where you have horses that have been successful over their journey in the racetrack. Um, Get On even did a little um, feature on uh, some of the Victorian horses or the Australian horses during the Spring Carnival, but there's actually a Tassie set that's uh, just come out. So 
um, the series features, Mystic Journey, Hell of a Street, The Cleaner, Still a Star and Iron Wesley, who have been absolute guns of Tasmanian racing in recent years. Um, so you can basically buy um, an individual purchase for $70 or you can get the set of five for uh, 300 which is a bit cheaper. Now they're all signed and there's limited uh, numbers. So if you want to purchase some, um, you can purchase in the Tasmanian Bloodstock Lounge at any Tasmanian race meeting or you can contact Neil Walsh at neil at tasmanianbloodstock.com.au or send him a direct message on Twitter at Tas Bloodstock. So um, they're all personally signed by Darmanin, Maskill, Steve Arnold, Brendan McCool and Daniel Ganderton. So there's something you'd love to buy, put in the man cave, put on the mantelpiece, put on your bedside table if the horse means a real lot to you, as long as the missus doesn't mind. But... For the listeners of the podcast, you need to tune in next week and we're going to run a little competition, which will reveal all details next week, but the winning person of the competition will win us um, a full set valued at $300. So um, make sure you listen in next week and I'll reveal how you can actually go into the competition to win at this magnificent set of race card features. There are... Uh... Three hundred bucks is an absolute steal, too. Really, Bear. Mm. Like Neil's done an awesome job producing those, uh, along with uh, Sterling Photography. But like, if you've been to any sort of uh, lunch where a lot of these things get auctioned, well, you couldn't even dream of picking them one yeah, of them up for three hundred. So, and to have yeah. them all signed, outstanding. Yeah, done a good job. And as I said, there's only uh, limited numbers. I think there's about fifty sets. So um, you want to get in early so you don't miss out. Snap special this week, bit of a shout out to someone that we had on the podcast earlier in the season, Bear, but he's well and truly at it again. B McCool, just wanted to touch on the season he's having. He's only had 94 rides, but 23 winners at 24.5% strike rate. Feels like every season he's basically one in four. He's had 100 less rides than Siggy Carr but he's only six back for the premiership. Had a treble in Launceston last Friday night. He made light work of shocking barriers for Muscle Up mm. and Rebel Factor. He's striking at 28% in Launceston for the season. So uh, he's just on fire, B McCall. You, you can back him with confidence. He's kryptonite if there is one. He's Hobart. He's only two for 27 this season at 7.4%. We will say probably a part of that bear is the fact that he doesn't ride for Scotty anymore. And, and Scotty uh, rides that would trains a lot of winners in Hobart, but um, just a shout out to, to Brendan McCaw as we get into this carnival period. Uh, he's showing some of the jockeys that are, that are coming down. And I think um, we might have one confirmed for Hobart cup next week, Blair, mm-hmm. uh, bear Blake Shin. Uh, is coming down for that meeting. But we saw it even with Harry Coffey and Geordie Childs, like they're coming down to our backyard and, and B McCool's as good as any of these when it comes to riding in Tassie. Well said, mate. I'll be happy to have him on any horse I've got to share in. He's been an ornament to the game over a long period of time and just still riding at that level. Um, he's a testament to himself, but also obviously his preparation. Um, obviously he has a few weight issues, but he's always... Gives horse every chance, every time. Um, touched on, he rode another treble last Friday night. Even the ride in the last race was just first class as well. So 
riding well and long may that continue. Absolutely. We will enjoy Brendan and backing Brendan while we can. That wraps up another big episode of the podcast, Bear, but next week's going to be huge. We'll, we'll try and do the Derby and Cup programs in one episode and keep it below five hours, which <laughs> might be difficult. Uh, you've, you've probably already touched on it, Bear, but as we look ahead to next week, is it the, the Thomas Lions? And I guess just a, a quick update that everything's on track for the inevitable heading towards that race on Sunday week. Yeah, um, that's the plan. Um, I was down there on Thursday last week. We went down to do a little bit of um, vision for the um, promotion of the All-Star Mile, which will be released on Monday, and it looks magnificent. Um, Scotty was, for a split second yesterday, toying the idea of even just ducking over for the oar on the Saturday before the uh, Hobart Cup day, but he's decided to stay for the Thomas line. So... For Scotty to want to be thinking about doing that, obviously, probably read between the lines. You can tell how well and how happy we are with how the little fella is and looks and he's healthy and Tegan's doing a great job and fingers crossed it keeps progressing in the way we want it to. Yeah, should mention that the All-Star Mile vote, uh, voting starts on Monday. So you'll see a fair bit of promotion from Taz Racing and a heap of different channels about the All-Star Mile, but uh, jump in and, and vote for the inevitable. And uh, I guess, Bear, it's, it's probably exciting to see Rebel Factor do what he did because mm. you know that uh, you'll receive a, a fair to contest in uh, the Thomas yeah, Lions. Good. Yeah, it's good. And... and... Obviously, the Rebel Factor crew are obviously pretty bullish as well that they can knock us off. So I reckon that's even better when you've got two sort of camps that are both confident going into the race. And, um, yeah, we can't wait for uh, next Sunday. But we've got to get through Derby night first, so snap. That can't peak too early next weekend. Oh, exactly. We're going to be busy, that's for sure. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. Hopefully we can find a winner in Launceston for a Sunday day meeting. Yep. Uh, we'll get used to a few day meetings in Launceston, uh, Oaks and Lonnie Cup, of course, not far away. Good luck to everyone with runners and good luck to you, mate. Thanks, Snap. Have a good week and I cannot wait for next week.